Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Awesome. Well, this morning we are continuing in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll be discussing the fourth fruit, which is patience. And Grace did a great job in the children's message of really helping us see patience lived out in a very real way. But before we dive into our scripture and before we've been seeking God's ideal for patience in our hearts, I want to remind us of kind of the two really unique contexts in which we are in this series. All that we've been discussing up to now, love, joy, peace, and now patience, and in the weeks to come, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of these concepts we're, just, we're kind of considering in this twofold way. First, as fruit of the Spirit, and, and Grace kind of reminded us what the fruit of the Spirit are, but second, in our partnership through Christos Collective. Of course, it's not every week that we have a majestic eagle soaring next to me as we preach, or the other paintings that we've been looking at as we do this series. And so it's really kind of a unique context that, that we're doing this in. So for me, um, it really helped kind of, again, wrapping my mind around these two contexts. And oftentimes, this call to action might come at the end of the message, but for me, I think I'm going to put it right at the front, because it really is what is helpful to me. You know, just as a reminder, Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, this list of virtues, these fruit of the Spirit... Grace said this in her children's message, but they represent aspects of God's character that are revealed in our lives. His image being made noticeable in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. So they are a byproduct of what God is doing in our lives, not a list of attributes that we're supposed to be striving or attaining for. Of course, we want to see these reflected in us, but it's not like a checklist. Did I do my love today? that I do my joy today. These should be the byproduct of God's work in us as he makes us more and more like him. This idea was like just so captivating to me um, as I was preparing because we talk about this all the time and I think many of us who are on the journey with God, we know this is how it works, but I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, I just get back into the, give me the list so I can check off the things. Why do we do that? You know, God enables us to reflect more and more of his character as he enlightens and as he heals and redeems us and renews our broken bits. By pursuing him in scripture and in worship and seeking him as we go out on a beautiful hike in creation, by the time we spend in devotion, maybe through reading scripture or through spiritual practice, and of course, by coming together in community in times like this and partaking at his table we are refined into Christians. We're made into people who resemble Christ, resemble God's nature in us. This is the faith journey that God desires for us. And this contrasted by what so many of us have probably experienced, and even like what I just mentioned, sometimes I fall back into, which is God maybe acting more as a drill sergeant you know, hey, you got to do your 20 push-ups today, or hey, you've got to do your scripture today, or you got to do your love today. You know, 
giving us these milestones or these markers that we've got to be hitting each day. And if we're not, we're not advancing ourselves in the kingdom. And of course, our journey should reflect growth. And we should reflect these things as we do our journey. But if we're honest, are we approaching this more as a nurturing relationship with the Lord or as some obligations that we've got to work on? You know, our daily returning to the same old routines, striving to tick off the same old to-do lists, you know, it, it can get kind of tiring. And isn't it really as much or more about the journey as the destination? Thinking about what Grace shared in the children's message, of course, the eyes were on the promised land, but if your eyes were just there, how, how would you, like, overlook all the many, many miracles that God did for the children of Israel in the desert? the raining of the food and the water from the rock. In studying patience as fruit of the Spirit, I was once again reminded and so much relieved that our formational process is about God being revealed in us as the Holy Spirit helps us shake off those things that hold us back. You know, it's about seeing this image of God that's in all creation being made evident, and yet it still enhances our own personalities, the things that make us all unique. God celebrates those things. And that's what is so beautiful, that as God's characters are revealed to us, the way I love might be different than the way Melissa loves, or the way Jess experiences joy might be the different, different than the rest of you. So God is forming us all into beautiful representations of the kingdom. The fruit of the Spirit is not a list of things that we do, but rather it's something that we are as a result of God's work in us. May we keep that in mind as we continue and as we look at patience here. And that's the first of the two contexts that I was like reminded of. The second is you know, that we're pursuing this, this study of the fruit of the Spirit in collaboration with the Christos Collective. It's a group of Christian artists of which my wife is a member and they do various things in our community, art shows, ga galleries, talks, education. One of the projects they did a few years ago was this Fruit of the Spirit series. And you see one example here. This is the painting for patience. And nine members from the collective all had a hand in working on this particular painting and the various paintings that we've seen. They would receive the painting from the person prior to them. They'd receive a journal where people were making their their kind of their comments and their notes, and then they were to add something to the painting. So it's a really cool way that you know we see the progression in 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 ideas. You know, but admittedly, you and I might have different approaches to art, to paintings. You know, for some of us, it was captured our imagination from the time that we were young. Not only does artistic creation by others bring us awe and wonder, but we actively pursue creativity by making things ourselves. We consume art by listening to music or reading literature or visiting galleries, and we actually create art in our, in our own life, whether it's painting or woodworking or sculpting or music making. You know, but then for others of us, creativity or art might be something that's relegated to some remote past. You know, maybe when we were in elementary school or perhaps that really random 
elective in high school where you took a poetry class or you took, you know, photography or whatever it was. You know, art is really, or creativity is really something for other people. You know, those super gifted and talented people who can draw a straight line without a ruler or who can just whip up a sketch of a bunny rabbit or a bird, you know, without thinking about it. You know, when asked, most of us would say, you know, if asked, Kirk, are you an artist? You probably would say no, right? I I mean, most of us would probably say, no, we're not. You know, but I'd like to propose something to us here, and I'd like to maybe push back on this a little bit. Because in Scripture, we recognize that mankind is created in God's image. We were made to be like him, and we were made to reflect his character. And then in Scripture, the very first thing we know of God is that he is a creator. He has the ability to conceive of things that have never been and then to make them, to make them come to pass. So recognizing these two things, one, we're made to be like God and to reflect his image, and two, that God is a creator, I would propose that all of us are created to create in some way, that all of us are made in this way that not only do, can we create and bring beautiful things to the world, but we can also be inspired by the beautiful things that others make. And I think many of us do this naturally, but it was just really helpful to kind of, I don't know, logically work back through this. And you no, know, the great thing is, like, in order to be a creator, there's not like one mold of what it means. It doesn't mean that you paint eagles in very real, real representational way. You know, the way God manifests his creativity through us is all unique. You know, and even things that we might not take on face value as being creative is definitely a part of that creative spark. Like process engineers. You guys might know process engineers in your workplaces. They make systems and logistics that allow a group of people to come together and make beautiful things happen in an efficient way. That is a reflection of God's creativity and it's a beautiful thing. Accountants help us find order and organization and finance, allowing resources to be stewarded well and ultimately to be used for the collective good, and it's a beautiful thing. Teachers help us look at history's collective learning and then like organizes that into a lesson that inspires us to learn something new, and it's a beautiful thing. Tradesmen and women, you know, they build the things that we utilize every day. They make our homes. They put the electrical systems in our house. Our communities, our infrastructures work smoothly because of these men and women, and it's a beautiful thing. Authors weave tales of wonder and craft words into poetry that inspires organizing ideas ideas of all sorts so that we can learn. You get the picture. You know, the spark of God's creativity The creative nature is found in so much of what we do. And the act of creating is also a very cathartic process for us. It's a way of healing. You know, for some of us to put pen to paper and to process out that really rough conversation we just had is a way of kind of healing our way through it. And maybe it's not ever going to be something that is shared publicly. Maybe it's not a poem that you know you're gonna share. But it helps us heal. 
For some of us, we've just spent a long, stressful day at work and at commute, and you know, there was that argument with that person who thought differently and you know, all these things, and we come home at the end of the day, and we go out to the shop, and we start sanding or repairing a broken rocking chair, whatever it is. Art is catharsis as well. So I encourage you to find a way, a creative outlet in which you can experience this healing nature of art. And of course, we've been experiencing it here as we look at each of these paintings, and we'll do so again with this one as we continue in our message. So now we've thought about the fruit of the Spirit and how that's really a revelation of God's character in us and the way we go about that. And then we've thought about art and creativity and our relationship with that. So I'd like to take a moment and just pause. Give us a moment. You guys have already been thinking. But as we've been discussing these things, let's remind ourselves or maybe reflect. How is it that we approach God's revelation of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Are we approaching it more as a checklist of things to accomplish or are we really engaging in God's formational work in us so that these things can be revealed? And when it comes to creativity, how is God's creative spark being revealed in our activities each day? Maybe you are carrying desires or aspirations to start a creative aspect in your life, but it's not happening yet. What steps can you take to get there? So with those things in mind, let's now transition to patience. But I think what we're going to see is that, you know, as we think about fruit of the Spirit being lived out and creativity and the art uh, that Christos Collecting Christos Collective is reminding us of, that patience is going to fit right in. So while um, actually um, the discussion that we've had up to now hasn't been in vain, what we want to consider is how God's patience reveals itself in areas of our lives, perhaps even in the fulfillment of God's fruit of the Spirit in us, but also in our creative processes. And when we hear the term patience, our thoughts are most likely going back to, you know, kind of our Western English dictionary version of patience, which is the ability to accept or tolerate delay or trouble without getting upset. Patience, the ability to accept or tolerate delay or trouble without getting upset. So it bring, if, if, it's, if you're like me, it brings to mind memories of waiting for something that you're really excited for, really anxious for. Perhaps, you know, that the magic of a Christmas morning or the arrival of family friends who you haven't seen for a long time, but they're coming to visit. Um, maybe the delivery of a package, you know, something that you just ordered a few days ago and you just can't wait for it to show up. The beginning of a new vacation. No, these are all things that represent our ability to be situationally patient. You know, we've got something that we know is coming, and if we can just make it to, ter- to Thursday, you know, we'll be fine. You know, but waiting in Scripture is really much bigger than situational patience. When we do a word study of what Scripture is really describing when it talks about patience, we see kind of a bigger picture. 
And, you know, oftentimes, you know, in Scripture, we can look at the context of a passage and kind of, you know, feel out patience. But in our Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we don't have that. We just have a list of words. So we are going to look for this patience word in other places in Scripture to kind of give us this context. And if we look at the other places that this word, this Greek word is used, we see it has other meanings, like the, meaning, like the word forbearance, this old word, or this term long-suffering. Perhaps even your Bible translation in Galatians 5.22 will use one of those two words instead of the word patience, forbearance or long-suffering. So forbearance means patience as self-control or restraint or tolerance. So in other words, forbearance from taking action. In other words, you're not taking action that might result from a situation. You're going to be patient and hold that action back to see if there's change. You know, we see this all throughout Scripture. In Romans 5, 8, it says, but God shows, for, shows his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. It reminds us that God doesn't tolerate sin, and yet while we were still sinners, he didn't punish and condemn us, but through Christ, he made us right with him. He was forbearing. 1 Peter 3.22, the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. You know, in this ancient story where we hear that God just kind of did a reboot, he was patiently waiting for Noah to finish the ark. He was being forbearing. Long-suffering. It means patience in the face of persecution or patience in the face of afflictions or patience in the face of annoyances. Ephesians 4.2 says, with all humanity, humility and, justice, and gentleness, sorry, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So it kind of introduces that idea that, hey, I might be kind of annoyed or frustrated with you, but I will be patient. 2 Corinthians 6 says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, or for long-suffering, gentleness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love. So it's, again, an admission that there will be moments in our lives when we are facing affliction or persecution, and the way we wait in that moment is described as long-suffering. So now with this expanded view of the term patience, we're going to now enter into our scripture for this morning. And as we do so, I'd like us to be actually looking for a couple of aspects of patience. Because when we're patient, of course, there's a couple things happening in us. First, there's the object that we're being patient for, the actual thing that we're waiting for. So there's the object of our patience. But then there's also the attitude of our patience. How are we feeling and what are we experiencing as we're being patient? But then there's also three, the activity of our patients. What are we like literally doing while we wait? I mean, it's not just like laying on our back and twiddling our thumb or like twiddling of your thumb might be the thing you're doing, you know, but what are we actually doing as we wait? 
So those are the three aspects that we're going to look at as we look into our scripture this morning. This morning we're going to be in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. It'll be on the screens for you. I invite you to join me in the hearing for God's word. So be patient, my brothers and sisters, for the appearing of the Lord. You know how the farmer waits for a valuable crop to come up from the ground. He is patient over it, waiting for it to receive the early rain and then the late rain. In the same way, you must be patient and make your heart strong, because the appearing of the Lord is near at hand. Don't grumble against one another, my brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the gates. Consider the prophets, my brothers and sisters, who spoke in the name of the Lord. Take them as an example of long-suffering and patience. When people endure, we call them blessed by God. Well, you have heard of the endurance of Job, and you saw the Lord's ultimate purpose. The Lord is deeply compassionate and kindly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I hope you notice some of those items that we talked about, the object of our patience, the attitude of our patience, and also the activity of our patience. But we're going to just kind of take a few steps back and kind of look at this verse by verse. So did any of you notice the object? It's right away in verse 7. For the appearing of the Lord. So it says... Be patient, my brothers and sisters, for the appearing of the Lord. It's a reminder that, you know, points us back to what we discussed at the beginning of our message here, that, you know, we live in this moment where Christ has come and he's brought victory over sin and death, and yet there's still bad things happening in our world. There's still trial and tribulation. Earlier in the chapter in James, just a few verses before chapter 7, we hear James describing this story where these um, kind of corrupt, exploitive, exploitive, not exploitive, exploitive, <laughs> rich people <laughs> were taking advantage of their workers. In other words, they were having people work and they were, you know, giving them criminal wages, you know, nominal wages or maybe no wages at all, also criminal treatment. You know, that's the context. We just heard that, you know, that the people who are reading this letter here in James, they are the ones experiencing this, this um, persecution by their masters, and yet God's telling them to be patient. You know, I would think if I were that person, I would be waiting for revenge. You know, the thing I would be patiently waiting for is justice. Like, when is that guy going to get his own? And when am I going to get my own? But that's not what's written here. It's not saying be patient for revenge. He's saying be patient for the appearing of the Lord. <laughs> you know, whether the appearing of the Lord is referring to Christ's second coming or maybe more simply, it's the redemptive work of Jesus in the life of that persecutor. James is reminding us that when we're facing persecution, to allow God to be the one who focuses on justice, and we focus on God in our patience. Maybe you're easier said than done, but that is our um, inspiration for this morning. What's another object of our patience from that section of Scripture? 
There's one in, chap- in verse 9. It says, don't grumble against one another. So the patient, uh, another object of our patience is actually one another in our relationships. In our frustration, whether with someone directly or with just living out the frustration we have with those closest to us, how are we doing that? Are we doing that with grumbling or are we doing that with grace? You know, again, word study, right? Looking at the word grumble here in, in the scripture, actually the meaning of what it's saying here is more of a sigh or a groan, not an outright argument. So it speaks more of an inner distress rather than the open complaining we might have to one another. So what is being forbidden here is not the loud and bitter denunciation of others, but the unexpressed feeling of bitterness or smoldering resentment that we may have with one another or with our situations. Scripture is reminding us to continue, that if we continue that hateful practice, it would result in judgment because we have that section there at the end of that verse that says, you're not the judge. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We leave that to God. And so in our patience with one another, are we doing that? Whether, you know, it's easy to say, hey, I'm not going to argue with you, Melissa, on that thing. I'm going to be patient with you. But I'm going to be kind of resentful and bitter and carry that around. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for us not only to uh, be patient in, the, in withholding from argument, but also really to resist the bitterness that we might carry towards one another. So to recap, the object of our patience is upon the waiting of the Lord to see all things made right, but also with one another. But then what is the attitude in which we do that? What's the attitude of our patience? Looking back at the passage, again in verse 7, we see the attitude of patience being compared to that of a farmer. You know, this little section of scripture, just as an aside, is, you know, for those of you who are like looking at how to put together sermons, this might be where the three-point sermon came from because it says, you know, be patient upon the Lord, be patient like the farmer, be patient like the prophets, and be patient like Job. The three-point sermon, there we go. (laughs) So we've got the attitude of our patience is to be that of a farmer. And, you know, looking into how a farmer goes about their work, they have faith and hope that that seed they put in the ground is at some point going to turn into something. So we should keep our sight and our faith positive while we wait. You know, this can be challenging as we suffer, as suffering tends to result in, you know, the our desire just to give up, like, oh, it's just never going to happen, you know, but of course the farmer recognizes that you need to have expectation that the seed is going to do what it's going to do. And of course, to the people that, uh, you know, James was speaking to here in Palestine, there's also the expectation that, hey, if I put this uh, seed in the ground here, I know that, you know, it's September now, but the early rains are going to come in October. Our section, our passage even mentions the early and the latter rains because it knows that you, you do your sowing in late September and then the rainy season hits in October. So you have faith that, that you're waiting on that rain, it's going to come. And that first rain helps the, the seed get established. And then the latter rains come in April and May 
And they're so critical for the maturing of the crop. Both rainy seasons were necessary for the crop. And knowing this, the farmer was willing to wait patiently until both rains came before he harvested his crop. So we're to enter into patience with the attitude of hope and faith. Verse 8 reminds us that we're also to be entering into patience with strength or with a firm standing. It says, in the same way, you must be patient and make your heart strong because the appearing of the Lord is near at hand. The expression has the idea of providing solid support for the rest of our life, for the rest of the aspects of our life, for our emotions. Establishing, it's establishing a person with a foundation based in our, again, our faith and hope in what the Lord is going to do. Taking off these a little quick, quicker here. So waiting with faith and hope, patient in hope and faith, but also in firm standing and strength. But in verse nine, without grumbling or without fighting. Again, we talked about this just a moment ago. But it, you know, it, the attitude of the way we do that is something I'd like us to consider. Because of course, in our current cultural situation, our current standing, in an election year, in a year where we've had a global pandemic, and so many of us are approaching this with different, differently. We just kind of come to it with different ideas. We're all really be, being given the opportunity to live this out. How are we going to be patient with one another when we disagree? You know, without grumbling and fighting is one thing, but I would say that we, you know, we kind of take that a little bit further. You know, we saw that the idea of long-suffering includes this idea of, of tolerance with people, even if we don't agree. Will we be hospitable towards someone who is sharing an idea that we don't agree with? Or will we jump in and interrupt and start blurting our own idea? Will we allow someone to express themselves and maybe not just let it go if we disagree, maybe offer our own opinion, but how are we doing that? Are we doing that in a hospitable or a patient way? I would encourage us to find ways of doing that. And even, of course, in our direct conversations, but even in our online interactions, which with the benefit of anonymity, it's easy to just, you know, react a little bit differently, but to find ways to be hospitable, even with those that we disagree with. And finally, the fourth attitude of patience that we see here in this passage is found in verses 10 and 11. It's with endurance, which leads to blessing. thinking of the endurance that the children of Israel experienced in the message that Grace shared, but also in the example given in our scripture of Job, there was no end in sight. And yet, endurance was given as both the children of Israel, sometimes better times than others, or even when Job was just waiting because he knew the promises of the Lord, waiting upon the promises because we know that God is faithful to bring about his promises. So we wait with endurance. And finally, what's the activity of our patience? So we've talked about the, the object of our patience. We've talked about maybe what our attitude should be. But now what are we actually doing while we wait? 
So again, looking back at verse seven, we've got the farmer. What do, what do farmers do in the time that they plant the seed and in the time they harvest? They go fishing? <laughs> some of them actually probably do. <laughs> do they just hang out? I mean, some of you probably have more experience than I do in the process of farming. But I imagine that the chores are not done, that there is plenty to be working on. For instance, modern days, you've got the machinery that's going to help you in the process. And so before you can go out and harvest, you've got to make sure your combine is greased and gassed up or whatever they use. For, they, I guess you put gas in combines. Um, you know, you've got to ensure that the things are ready. And those are like actions that you're doing. So you have context of what it is you're being patient for. And you, you know because of the promises of God and what we read in Scripture what the likely outcome of that patience is going to be. So are we actually making effort or steps into seeing that come about? That's the partnership aspect that we have here in our faith. That patience isn't necessarily, hey, I'm just going to check out until Christ returns and then we're all good. The journey that God invites us into is to see his kingdom come by the things that we're doing, the things that we're saying, the actual activities we're making. So the activity of our patience is to be active. It's to actually be taking steps towards the promise that God has given us. In verse 8, we're working towards strength, engaging with the work of the Lord. In verse 9, we're actively seeking harmony and peace with one another, even if we disagree. In verse 10, this is an interesting one, because in verse 10, it says, consider the prophets, my brothers and sisters. So how would these people that James was speaking to back in ancient times consider the prophets? They did have the benefit of the scrolls at that time. And so I would imagine it's going to hear in the temple the reading from the Torah. I would imagine it's to hear what the prophets were saying and how the people were enduring. So by considering the prophets for us in our modern context, it's a reminder that what we should be doing is actually looking and engaging with Scripture, seeing how God, time and time again, promised patience and then brought, brought about resolution, made promises and brought about his answer to those promises. It's, again, reminding ourselves of all that God has done and all that he has promised to do and how are we uh, reminding ourselves that that is true, that that is going to come about. So this morning, we've considered patience not only as waiting for something that we're excited for, but also as the idea of being um, gracious with one another, being long-suffering with one another if necessary, uh, even being patient when we're experiencing affliction. We've looked at the object of our patience, the coming of the Lord and one another, We've looked at the attitude of patience, hope and faith and strength and patience, um, generosity with uh, hospitality, and we've looked at the activity. So now as we begin kind of to like bring all this together, let's take a look at our painting this morning. So this comes to us again from the Christos Collective. This is a group of paintings that have each focused on one of the aspects of the for the spirit. And this painting represents, of course, the main object is this eagle that's flying. 
Does that make anyone's mind go to a certain scripture on patience or waiting? It's probably one of the most famous ones. Isaiah 40, verses 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. It's a good, actually, kind of summarization of everything we've been talking about this morning. The eagle represents how we will benefit when we wait upon the Lord. You know, but also, if you look closely, you can see that there's these hash marks. And this is kind of cool. This kind of thing kind of comes up. So it kind of gives you two experiences of the painting. You know, but if we look here, we see all these hash marks down here. And one thing I noticed when I was looking is the hash marks start off like super, like super precise and like they're going in order. But then as you get up here, the hash marks like fall apart. They kind of explode into like this beautiful like dots and this kind of, um, yeah, this gold foil thing. So to me, clearly the hash marks are representing the idea of the endurance and like, okay, I'm going to like, I'm going to. Be patient, I'm going to bide my time here. But as they kind of break up into this disorderly fashion and the color, the texture that's introduced, it feels to me like the way God is faithful to form our waiting into something altogether new. We might be waiting for this relationship to get healed, but in the meantime, God did something new in our hearts. God helped us recognize another way that we were falling short or maybe actually adding to the situation, which actually was the resolution. So our patience and our waiting oftentimes holds the secret to what God's really doing. We might be looking or waiting for one thing, but then we're surprised by God working in a different way. So I know we've hit on a lot this morning, but I pray that the Holy Spirit is helping you focus in on maybe one or two ways in which he's working in your heart. Maybe it's the manner in which we view the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and maybe it's the way we approach that journey. Maybe it's the way in which we carry God's creative spark in us and live that out. Maybe it's in the object or the attitude or the activity of our waiting. And isn't it a beautiful thing that the Holy Spirit can be working in us all in such unique ways? Let me close with this reminder. When we patiently anticipate the day that all things will be made new and when we refuse to lose hope in the face of difficult relationships and circumstances, we're displaying the character of God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because we serve a God who is patient and desires for all people to come to know him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning and for, Lord, inspiring us, not only in our scripture, but also in the collaboration with Christos Collective and in the creative art that we're using to give these concepts to the fruit of the Spirit new meaning and new life. Lord, we ask that the way that your Holy Spirit has kind of inspired and ignited in us this morning, that, Lord, you would be faithful to complete that work in us. And God, in our current situation, in our 
society, in our culture. We see so many ways in which your kingdom and your love and your grace and your mercy are not being lived out. And yet, Lord, we're being inspired or we're being challenged to wait upon you and to see that resolution come. Lord, give us patience. May we wait with endurance and with hospitality and with mercy. But God, may we wait in a way that allows us to be a part of the solution, be a part of your kingdom coming in, in many ways. Inspire us and use us, Lord. And may the creation of our hands and the words of our lips, Lord, be inspiring to others and healing to us as you work and move in us. Amen.